Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion, the series where we go through each episode, movie, and storyline of Neon Genesis bit by bit, week by week, and go through the full series. My name is Keith, going through for my last time, and I am joined by Peter. Hello! Going through for his first. Uh, today we watch the movie Neon Genesis Evangelion Death and Rebirth, specifically the Death True uh, variation of it. This first came out in the year 1997, March 15th. Experiments in 2000 destroyed humankind in a catastrophic second impact. Fifteen years later, humanity faces another trial. Giants being called angels appear, and the special agency nerve works covertly to fight them. Fourteen-year-old Shinji Akari becomes the center of the fight. This has a synopsis, but ultimately, it's a recap. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say... So, first of all, my prediction... Flat out wrong, did not realize this was going to be a recap, so I predicted things happening in the future after the end of the series. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that your prediction, and we'll get to that at the end of the episode, but if you want to keep your prediction or change your prediction, we'll allow that at the end. Fair. So we'll we'll rethink, the, uh, rethink on that some more in the future, but for now, yes, my prediction for what was going to happen in Death and Rebirth was wrong, although based on my understanding, we only saw the death half of Death and Rebirth. And there's still the rebirth half. So maybe my prediction could be right for the rebirth half, but we'll address that when we get to the end of death so we can talk about rebirth. Even just saying <laughs> that titles makes me feel like I'm going fucking insane. Yeah, so I guess to explain Death and Rebirth, uh, originally when it came out, it was a recap to the series to kind of get people hyped and caught back up for the end of the Evangelion movie, which was planned. So what this was was uh, the first 70 minutes of the movie, which is what we watched, is known as Death. And Rebirth is the first half of what goes on to be End of Evangelion. So it's kind of like a teaser thing. Obviously ends on a cliffhanger, because if they're going to put it there, they're going to end it on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And that was the whole idea behind this movie. Uh, so Death and Rebirth is the death, which is a recap, and Rebirth, which is the End of Evangelion beginning. So yeah, the end of Death and Rebirth is also the beginning of End of Evangelion. Okay. I have a level of understanding of what we just watched and what is still left to be watched at this point. Yeah, and because things have been redone, as I said, we watched specifically uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Death, Truth, Squared. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that is ultimately just the recap with a few bits of information added in. A lot of the fan base will tend to just skip this if they're going to marathon through the series. I can kind of understand the impulse to skip this just because of the fact that where it's a recap, it feels weird to watch this immediately after having watched the series. Although, given that we what we just did, I mean, yes, at the same time, we didn't just watch the entire series. We've been watching roughly an episode a week, so we have spread it out over a good <laughs> At this point, time. it's been 27 weeks since we watched that first episode. Yeah, so it has, it has been a minute, I'll put it that way. Yeah. We haven't just watched it. But I honestly feel like it's a shame to skip this because I actually thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I know we generally don't talk about our thoughts on the episode until the end, but I just want to come out and say that I thoroughly enjoyed this movie because of the fact that the way it recontextualized, the way it represented information, I suppose it's not as big of a deal if you've watched the series multiple times, but for me getting back to watch this and have them cut together episodes... That parts that happen at the beginning and the end, putting them side by side so you have the full context of, oh, this is what was happening in this moment. 
I feel like this was a really solid way to gain a deeper understanding of what was going on during yeah, the series. Yeah, and obviously it doesn't hit all the points as well. It kind of picks up what's important for the moving forward part. Yeah. Uh, there was angel fights we just didn't get anything of. Like, the whole part where, you know, the infiltrated taking over the Magi system doesn't show up at all in this movie. Because yeah. ultimately, it's not important to where they're going. It was a factor that was important at the time. That's why Toji is barely in this, because ultimately, Toji being a pilot isn't an important part of the story. It's more of what happens to Toji that drives Shinji. Yeah, and that's a great detail, because as we discussed in the last episode of this podcast, uh, I had kind of just the wrong interpretation of the series as a whole, and I thought it was entirely... Well, my first thought was that it was entirely about the angel fights, and then I started thinking it was entirely about the instrumentality project. I never really considered the fact that it was all about the characters and essentially the entire series was one big ther- therapy session for Sinji just spread out over the course of <laughs> 26 weeks. Um, so I went about the series the wrong way. Not that, like, shame on me or anything for that. But this movie did a really good job of showing, like, yes, angel bites are happening. Yes, the human instrumentality part. Nope, I don't think they ever once said the words human instrumentality part. No, because uh, this recap only goes up to episode 24. Uh, and the reason for that is, as I mentioned before, uh, End of Evangelion recontextualizes episode 25 and 26. Yeah. So this only wants to catch you up to start End of Evangelion, not the series. Yes. So anyways, uh, even though this doesn't touch on the uh, instrumentality project because we haven't gotten that part of the series, the movie or this movie makes it clear that the focus is on the characters and what they're going through, and particularly what Shinji is going through at each step. Like, yeah. as you said... The only capacity in which we see Toji is him punching Shinji and making Shinji feel bad for piloting a robot, and then having him uh, show up a second time to almost die at Shinji's hands to make Shinji have this deeper level of kind of trauma that he's gone through and understanding of what it means for him to pilot an Evangelion. So yeah, it's only showing details and through the lens of their impact on Shinji rather than their impact as a whole, so you get the deeper understanding of what the series is supposed to be about. Which I think is hugely valuable, at least to me, because if if I didn't have you here with me when I was watching (laughs) it, and I just watched the series and got to the end and was like, what the fuck did I just watch? This movie, I feel like, would have had me in a much better understanding of what the series was actually about. Yeah, and I completely agree with you, too. It's anyone going through the series for the first time, even if you, say, marathon those first 26 episodes in a week, this is still a good kind of, like, down period before jumping into the next set of the series. Uh, But to just correct a few things here, it's not just through Shinji's lens we're getting this, because we do kind of get like a crash course on the psyche of Rei and Asuka in this this, uh, movie too. Uh, Yeah, I shouldn't have said through the lens of Shinji and how it affects him. I just meant it's not so much about the events themselves and more so about the impacts that they have on the characters. Exactly. Um, Which actually does lead to, as I said, uh, recontextualizing, putting scenes together in ways that they weren't in the original series because they happen in earlier versus later episodes, we get some interesting details. Like, one of the things we realized during the last two episodes, uh, when we were going through human instrumentality and Shinji got to see what was going on inside different characters' heads, was Misato's vision of herself where she has to present herself outwardly as a very perfect individual, whereas on the inside she considers herself slightly flawed and doesn't like this mask she has to put on of being perfect. And seeing some of the scenes we have, like Asuka commenting on how Misato seems very fake, or the, I feel like it added a lot of impact to the scenes where Misato was telling Shinji off. Uh, in particular, 
the scene where um, she was telling Shinji off for not wanting to pilot the Ava, but being willing to do it anyways. Yeah. It felt very much so like she was saying things that she wished had have been said to her, where it was just like, don't just do what other people want you to do. Do what you want to do. If you don't want to pilot an Ava, don't pilot a fucking Ava. And that's kind of the cool thing about the series as a whole, too, because... Uh, it's not just that you're re- watching the recap. It's If you went back and just watched the series again, you would notice these things. And it, the show did a very good job of having most of the stuff very clear through the whole series. It's just when you find out, or the characters admitted essentially, going back, it's still there. And it's obvious now, but the tints were always available for what was going on with the characters' emotional sides. Yeah, it's not super hard to do with just a single season of a series but regardless the fact that it was very clear from the beginning that these characters arcs were being built up from the beginning in ways that we don't even recognize what's happening but we can go back and rewatch and see oh this was hinting towards this plot point which we had no idea was coming but the author clearly did and wanted to establish some stuff before we even got there so yeah and it builds up the story in a good way too like the ray reveal that she's technically an angel is like, oh, whoa, I didn't even think about that. Like, you, you get no connotation that human-shaped sh- uh, angels can exist in, like, you know, Shinji size. Yeah, like, the first thought we have that something's weird about... I mean, to be fair, the first time we think something's weird about Rey is the first time we see Rey, because Rey is just a weird character. Well, the first time we see Rey, she's, uh... A, like, a, a flash phantom. in Shinji's eyes, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so we'll get back to that, but I may or may not have a question about that. Um, but no, uh... Like, the first time Ray's character as a character gets introduced. We can tell that there's something weird about her, but we don't put too much thought to it. And the first time we think there's something definitely strange about this character, I would argue, is when we get to Ray 3 and we realize that she's just a child who showed up one day and had fucking Yui's face all over her face. Yeah. Um, that's the first time we really start asking questions about where exactly did Ray come from. So... It's interesting that, like, looking back, you could see, like, this is shit that they were setting up from the beginning, and it's just... We didn't have the context to ask about it until the time came. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. This is a series that definitely benefits from being able to go back through it again after you go through it the first time. I've memed a couple times throughout the recording of this that, while this is your last time, this is my first time, but it's also my last time. It <laughs> might not be my last time. I might have to go back and rewatch a second time just to have a deeper understanding of the series. There definitely is a value to it. I fully admit that. Still don't know if I can trust you. You might just be convincing <laughs> me that there's value to watching this series so I don't quit the podcast halfway through. <laughs> I might be able to do this solo, but it might be just more <laughs> depressing, honestly. It'd be almost as depressing as just watching Evangelion. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, but yeah, no, uh, honestly, I was... I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It did a very good job of as I've said multiple times now, recontextualizing and giving a deeper understanding. Now, uh, as I already mentioned, because this is a recap, there's not really much plot that we can talk about, so it's kind of us talking about our feelings about the episode currently. But I thought what could be fun here is where we have the recap of the series. We've watched the 26 episodes, and we're getting into End of Evangelion. That's what starts next week for us. I thought it'd be good to readdress some of the theories, ideas, or thoughts you're having with the series to get everything out on the table before we go in to what was the definitive end of Neon Genesis until the early 2000s, or early to mid-2000s. So, first of all, right off the bat, I have to address two of my theories, which one of them was just 100% fucking right, and one of them, like, I'm still not 100% sure was right, but I'm, like, pretty sure was fucking (laughs) right. So, first of all, 
the fucking Lilith prediction of the fact that I fucking piece together there's an angel underneath uh, Nerve, and that's the whole reason that angels keep trying to come here and attack. And initially I thought it was Adam, but then I realized that there's the two angels. Anyways, that whole fucking shot in the dark hitting the target was fucking Yeah, I, I believe you called that back as early as around episode 13 or 14. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the grounds of that theory started. Yeah. That, that one made me feel good when that one got proved to. <laughs> uh, the second theory I had um, was that Ray was essentially a Yui clone, but she... That happened when Yui tried to merge with... Uh, so, I, if I remember my theory exactly, it was... Yui also had the situation where she had a 400% sync rate, because that's essentially what they said in an episode. And she got turned into the LCL goop, uh, but they weren't able to pull her out correctly, and instead they ended up getting the child... Well, this is where my theory kicks in. They got the child clone of Rei, uh, except it was Yui's body, but not Yui's soul or mind, or however you want to call it. Yeah, and initially, you uh, your, your theory at first was that it was a clone of Yui, and there was really nothing else to it. And that's when I kind of said, well, you're on the right track, but there's more to it. And yeah. obviously I couldn't tell you at that point, oh, it's Yui's body, but not her soul. Yeah. And uh, it turned out that that was Lilith's soul, so. I was about to say good times, but no, that doesn't actually sound like a good time. That sounds really unpleasant <laughs> for everyone involved. Anyways, those were my two theories that were 100% correct. Well, not 100% correct, but were like 98% correct. And I can feel proud of myself and can tell my father that he has to love me now, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> right, well, if it works for Shinji, I'm sure it'll work for you. I don't... Did that work for Shinji? I guess Shinji never really tried telling Gendo that Gendo had to love him, so... <laughs> Gendo, I figured it out! Ray's actually my mother's clone with the soul of Lilith in it! <laughs> it might work. It might make Gendo actually respect... I don't... I can't say the L word, because I don't think Gendo would ever feel that way, but it might make Gendo respect Shinji if Shinji figured that out. Uh, especially because Shinji didn't have the flashback episodes to get no. the extra information. The closest thing to a flashback I said what he got was that time when he was 400% inside uh, the Eva and he saw the flashback about naming uh, the baby if it was a boy Shinji and if it was a girl Ray. Yeah. That's the closest he got to a flashback. But that's still a good amount of information. He could probably piece, well, he could maybe piece it together. Um, alright, so, uh, I don't know about other theories I've had that were proven wrong or that have yet to be proven most of my other my wrong theories i've purged from my brain so i'm convinced <laughs> i didn't have any wrong theories uh other than the one theory i had which was ray 3 will make me sad but uh i'll be right with my sadness or something like that that what i remember <laughs> well you also did predict that they were going to immediately kill the next pilot and the angel would show up and it would be in human form that's right fucking kaoru it's also making me sad now that I think about Kaoru. Uh, you predicted Toji's death. Well, not death, but like the, the really bad outcome with him. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, I would say probably when the Toji episode happened, you were getting really close with most of your predictions. Like, you weren't too far off, and it, like it was like minuscule things you had wrong that like didn't really matter. So what you're saying is, if Toji had have died, I would have been 100% correct on everything from that point onwards. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. Because uh, I think my favorite prediction was when you immediately just, like, had that turn when you were given the description. This was the episode where Asuka 
uh, got hit by the Hallelujah Beam. And the episode before, you knew it was an episode about Asuka. So you're like, oh, she's going to have to like fight her way back. And then you stop, like, no, this is how the series going. She's going to hit rock bottom. <laughs> yes! Oh, that one. That one was one of those ones, because that was uh, peek behind the curtains. Uh, after we record this and I make my prediction, we watch the next time on Evangelion that happens at the end of the episode. So I made that prediction. You gave me a fucking look. We went upstairs, watched that, and I was just like, fuck, what have I done? I am responsible for what's happening on that screen. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, as soon as we got to the Toji part, which is at, like, episode 16-ish, roughly, uh, like, it wasn't specifically that episode, but it was around there, you just started, like, getting so close to predictions. Oh, God. This kind of makes me want to double down on my prediction that everyone's going to end up on the beach by the end of Reaver, just to make that prediction true as well. Uh, anyways, um, so, uh, yeah, other theories, not so much, but questions. Did we ever figure out why Shinji got the weird blink of red when he first showed up in the city? I mean, who says it's Ray? Oh, I, could it be Lilith or maybe a memory of his mother or some shit like that? Is that what you're trying to get at right now? Well, I'm saying it definitely looks like Ray, but how do we know it's Ray? I don't know, because Ray's the character that looks like Ray, man. <laughs> But Ray's like two people. Ray's like three people, man. Come on. <laughs> no, I don't mean like there's three Rays. Nah. If you want to get in that technicality, then technically like Ray's like 57 people. Not after fucking uh, Rizuko had her way. Then Ray was exactly one person. Well, then we can't count Ray 1 and 2 because they're dead. Yeah, that's true. Well, when Ray 2 is still alive at this point. Ray 1 is dead. Uh, <laughs> no, Ray 2 Ray is dead. No, when we see the blink, I mean. Ray oh, 2 okay. is alive, and Ray 1's dead. Yeah. And the other Rays are still shells and not actual people. Anyways, yeah, all that fucking shit happened. God damn it. It was one of those things for watching this movie. I kept being like, oh, I remember the happy time. Oh, no, I know where this is fucking going. <laughs> the happy times do not last. No. Um, alright, so there was that. Uh, CLA. Let's, let's talk about CLA for a second, because I got questions about CLA. Sure. So... We know, based on some previous episodes, that Gendo's plans at least somewhat aligned with CLA, and that CLA had the plan. They both wanted to stop the angels, they both had greater plans, and according to dialogue, they both used the phrases, the human instrumentality project, but they both seemed to have a different understanding of exactly what that meant. Is that a reasonable thing to say? So, what I'll say on this is, ultimately, human instrumentality is not... They both have a different idea of what it is. It's the exact same thing to both of them. It's the use of human instrumentality that they kind of disagree on. Okay, so like the end goal of human instrumentality. Exactly. So that's the best way to put that. As for Sile's understanding of human instrumentality versus Gendo, we have to remember that Gendo is the one who made the plan for instrumentality. Yeah. He's the one who developed it and put it for submission through Sile who approved it, which started the nerve uh, situation. The thing to also remember is, because Gendo is the one who fully developed this, when he submitted it, he didn't have to include everything. Yeah, so they could actually have a different understanding, but that's not because they literally have a different understanding, but because Gendo straight up misled them on... Well, I will will confirm, they have the same understanding of what human instrumentality is, but Gendo was able to not tweak it, but there's things that he was aware of in the process that allowed him to do certain things. Okay. On top of that, Zile does have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which prophesize the angels 
so yeah. they were aware of all the angels that were going to show up. So because of that, even with the incorrect information, they were also able to tell a few things that Gendo might have been trying to hide, or even Gendo might not have known. So both of them had a lot of information about two separate things that overlapped a lot in the middle. Yeah, neither one of them had perfect information. Both of them had a lot of information and were aware of the fact that other the other had information that they did not have. Yeah, and both needed each other for all of this to happen, so that's why they didn't just straight up try to kill each other through the course of the series. Yeah. Uh, Sile had an idea that Gendo was doing things, but obviously, as we found out, they had some moles they weren't able to track properly, which resulted in Gendo being able to get away with a few things, with them fully knowing exactly what happened. Yeah. And we saw Gendo trying to mess with their plans as well, because, for example... When the angel hacks and becomes like, you know, the computer system and tries to take over the Magi system. Yeah. That doesn't get reported as an angel. So when we see the angel codes later on through civilian things, not nerf things, it's a number behind. Yeah. And that's because Gendo was trying to lie to them because their plan required the last angel to be defeated, right? Yeah. So Gendo was trying to make them think there was still time. Yeah, he wanted them to think that only the 8th angel had shown itself at this point instead of the ninth angel, so that they were slightly uh, mispredicting how much time they had. Exactly. Makes sense. Um, I have a feeling you're not going to be able to answer this, but uh, after... Uh, feel free to ask questions about things with context you might have from 25-26. We don't have to focus on everything that was like in the reha recap. Oh yeah, no. I have questions about that. But, like, some of my questions are... Well, alright, I'll just tell you my, what my question was gonna be, and then the reason I just groaned to myself was I realized all the reasons I can't know the answer to that question, or if the question even has an answer. So my question was going to be, does Sile return after this, and do they continue to try and uh, cause their own visions for what should have happened as a result of human instrumentality? But I don't even know if human instrumentality gets resolved as it is, so I don't can't know if there is a thing for CLA to be returning to. That's what was going through <laughs> my head right there. The only thing I can confirm for you is End of Evangelion deals with the confusion with instrumentality in those last two episodes of the anime. Okay. The fact that there is content after End of Evangelion, I am using to give myself a little bit of meta-knowledge that other people who were watching the series at the time wouldn't have, and I have to believe that instrumentality isn't the end that it's being presented as in the 26th, even though it was the end of the 26th. Uh, so, I am choosing to believe that there is a world after instrumentality based on the fact that there are movies after instrumentality. That's the meta-knowledge that I'm cheating to gain right now. Well, as you're aware, I can't answer any questions. I know. That wasn't me asking a question. <laughs> that was me sharing with the audience my thought process right now. Alright, uh, so that's... I can't really ask a huge amount of questions. Well, I guess I can ask more about Sile. I have other questions about Sile. Yeah. Uh, so, we know that there's a whole bunch of different members, and the like most direct form we've seen them in is when they're interrogating someone and they have like the different obelisks with their numbers on them. Yeah. So we've also seen them sitting behind their colored desks representing different colors or different countries earlier on in the series. Yeah. That one's not as accurate of a depiction of what CLA is. That's like the council that directly oversees Nerf. So uh the uh, like red, blue, green, light versions of them, uh, led by Keel, is the uh they're it's members of Sile, but that's the Human Instrumentality Council. Okay. Sile is the monoliths. 
It's the shadowy organization. No one knows what they look like. We know what Heel looks like because he's on both councils, essentially. Yeah. But ultimately, those monoliths are actually like the... The actual... The secret shadowy overlords of Sealy. Yeah. Uh, is Keel... Was he also number one of the monoliths, or was he a different number of the monoliths? Yes. Okay. He, he's the leader, apparently. Okay. He's the leader of both CLA, the she- secret shadowy organization, and the Human Instrumentality Council. Okay. That is helpful to know. I assume. <laughs> this is the weirdest fucking conversation <laughs> to try to have right now. Um, yeah, I, I suppose that's enough about CLA for now. So, a different character of intrigue to me. So, Fuzki. We're going to talk about Fuzki for a second now. Mm-hmm. So, also, I'm realizing now that my questions are less so questions and more so me just reconfirming the uh, series to make sure I have the proper understanding of the characters. That's fine. So, Fuzki started as a professor for Yui, was interested in Yui, not like romantically interested, but she was his student and he had a, an emotional connection with her. Yeah, he, he definitely had love for her, love her for, but like what that is... I guess really isn't touched on if he had, like, that romantic feel for her, or if he just, like, truly did just love her as a person. Yeah. It's never really established, but I think ultimately it doesn't matter. The important part is that he did love her. Yeah. I, I'm i not concerned about whether he had romantic feelings. I was just confirming, yes, his connection to Gendo at least initially had nothing to do with Gendo himself, and more so his feelings for Yui, and how he was willing to work with Gendo uh, essentially on behalf of Yui. Yeah. Um... And so he worked with Gendo somewhat indirectly because he knew Gendo was working for CLA but not a part of CLA, or on behalf of CLA, whatever, yeah. during that uh, first mission to the Antarctic where they found uh, Adam. And then... Well, was he wasn't part of the first expedition that was the Katsuragi one. It was when they later went back to investigate further that he was recruited by Gendo. Right. Uh, and it was at this time... Fyutsuki spoke with Gendo. We don't see their entire conversation, but Gendo essentially let him in on his understanding of the world and his plans, and that's when Fyutsuki kind of fully adopted, Gendo's my man, I'm going to support him till the end. No, that, that was much later, actually. That was when he later confronted him in Tokyo, uh, Tokyo 3 specifically. Okay. And then uh, he was like, I'm going to go to the media and reveal all of this, and then Gendo's like, well, follow me first. Oh, right, and that was when he realized that he was specifically confronting Gendo about the fact that Gendo left the day before the second impact exactly. and took all the important files with him. And he was like, you fucking knew what was going to happen, and you let it happen. And then Gendo was like, hey, come with me. Let me tell you my secret plans. And Pietzky was like, you're a pretty cool guy. I'm yeah. going to travel with you for the time being. Yeah, whatever it was that happened there, uh, it seems Pietzky fully like backed up Gendo moving forward uh, as becomes doubly so after Yui's death, uh, but the implication is also uh, that Gendo, after Zile was kind of covering everything up, Gendo was leaving breadcrumbs for Fuyutsuki to find because he wanted to test Fuyutsuki, essentially. Yeah. And as we do eventually find out, the only other person really in Nerve that has the full picture, other than Gendo, is Fuyutsuki. Yeah. Even Ritsuko doesn't have all the pieces. Yeah, she, she has, has a lot. More, she has more than pretty much anyone else, but she does not have the full uh, picture. Yeah. Alright, so at the time that Pewtsky decided to team up with Gendo, Yui was still alive, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, as we see in one of the scenes, actually, in this flashback episode, that or movie, uh, where he's talking to her before she ends up having the sync test 
right. uh, ends up disappearing. Okay. Very helpful. I was going to ask questions about Gendo, but I have memed about Gendo so much I can't remember what's true and what's not true. <laughs> so I'm just going to choose to assume that every one of my internal uh, beliefs about Gendo is 100% accurate. The legend that is Gendo is hard to unravel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could talk about the pilots, but it's the same sort of thing with the pilots where I feel like I have a very solid understanding of the pilots. It's more so those side characters who spend a lot of time in the shadows that I wanted to reconfirm my understanding of. Yeah, makes sense. Speaking of side characters who spend a lot of time in the shadows, I haven't talked about the hot sex man, Kaji. <laughs> I don't have questions about Kaji, I just realized we've gone this far without mentioning Kaji, and I wanted to talk about Kaji. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does play a prominent part in the recap episode, because he was one of the key figures that had a lot of effect on Shinji, yeah. and also was crucial to the Misato storyline. Yeah, he had very key parts to uh, Shinji, and in particular, he had a lot of uh, part to play in Shinji's kind of self-actualization and, like, realization that he has worth, and that, like, he talked to him about melons and stuff and told him about how he's going to be the one to save the world or Shinji. I don't remember exactly what was said, but he had a lot of conversations when Shinji was at his lowest that kind of helped to bring Shinji yeah. back Well, up. I think the thing that's important about Kaji is, up to this point, a lot of characters were kind of telling Shinji... You have to do what you want, and then also kind of giving conflicting information. We saw it as like, well, if you don't want a pilot, pilot, we're just going to make like it was kind of like unintentionally giving him an ultimatum. Yeah. But I think the thing that ultimately was the biggest thing that Kaji ever did for Shinji was during the Zuriel fight when Zuriel was attacking, he was watering the melons with the fight going on, and Kaji pretty much says to him, "You can just run. You don't have to fight. Yeah. That's your choice, but you have to make your choice. So you can go back, get in the Ava, and fight that thing, or just leave." Yeah. But you have to be fine with what you choose. Yeah, you have to actually make a choice and not... Because so far, Shinji's honestly been running away from making choices, so Shinji actually has to make a choice. Yeah, and Kaji was ultimately the first person who gave him a choice that the options were laid out, and he wasn't saying you should do one over the other. It was, you have to make your choice, yeah. and then move forward with that. Uh, but not only did Sh uh, Kaji have that huge role in Shinji's arc, we already know all the specific ways he had a huge role in Misato's arc. He also had, once again, I, I talk about an arc for this character, but it feels less like an arc and more so like a plummet. But he had a huge impact on uh, Asuka's arc as well, in that he was kind of her favorite person, and a lot of her arc was him slowly taking steps away from her and getting closer to Misato and her becoming kind of jealous about that, and then throwing herself at Shinji to get over her jealousness, and then... Him fucking dying and never coming back. And Which is pretty much the last straw for us. Yeah, that's what pushed her over the brink. Uh, so, yeah, Kaji, while not a main character in his... Well, not technically a main character on his own, uh, has a huge impact on the arcs of a lot of the main characters. Yeah. He's not quite a main character, but he's, I wouldn't say he's a side character either. Uh, the side character would probably be, like, you know, Hyuga, yeah. Oba, and all them. I'd call him... Uh, a secondary character. Yeah, I'd say he's the same level of character as Ritsuko and Futsuki. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I guess, honestly, kind of Gendo. Kind of Gendo, yeah. Gendo is not a main character. It's the pilots of Misato that are ultimately the focus. Yeah. Those sweet, sweet pilots, like Kaoru and Shh. I almost said Shinji, not Toji. Those are the two most important pilots. Uh, also, uh, just to briefly touch on something that's funny about this, is uh, kind of in between the scenes of the flashback in this movie, we get the characters 
doing a quartet, essentially. Yeah. So Shinji comes in first, then Asuka, then Rei, then Kaoru. And, oh, they're doing all the pilots. Of course, in the anime, Kaoru never actually has, like, a meeting with Asuka because she's already comatose, technically, by this point. Yeah. And uh, it's Rei 2, not Rei 3, uh, as per the credits. And then Toji's not part of it. Which is, like, either they're just, like, Toji as a pilot is, like, so, like, useless as a concept for this that we don't care anymore, or Toji definitely doesn't have the skills to play an instrument. I do like the idea of it being a string quartet plus Toji, and it's four people playing instruments, and Toji's just, like, hanging out with his friends because he's not talented enough to play an instrument. Yeah. And they weren't going to make it a string quintet just to finish <laughs> in, uh, Toji. Kawa was there for way less episodes than Toji, but just... Completely sidelined. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, not a bad way to look at it. I didn't even have that realization when I was watching it. I was just like, yeah, it makes sense. These four are the ones who would show up. Yeah, no, kind of weird that it's four of the five pilots. Yep. One of which was only in the show for a single fucking episode. <laughs> huh. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of it for my questions. It's less so questions about what's going on going forward and more so a greater understanding of where we're coming from so that I can have a better understanding of where we're going. Okay, uh, so before I start wrapping up, the only other thing I could have that I can think of is, is there anything in this 26-episode run up to this point here that you think was answered but you don't quite understand or fully think you have the full picture of it? Obviously, I'm not going to answer anything that goes into the next episode, but is there something you feel like was should have been or probably was already answered that you want to just clarify on or even just anything you want clarification on before we go in? Nothing comes to mind. I, as always, something will probably pop into my head in the middle of the night. And I'll think to write it down, but be too lazy to turn over and grab something to write it down with, and then I'll abandon it until the next time I'm trying to sleep peacefully. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, I guess we already kind of did our thoughts on it, so we can do that. We already did that part, so we'll skip over that. Uh, but I will say before we get to the closing, so uh, with this... Episode 27 that will be going up. We will then be going into End of Evangelion, which will be a two-part episode. So that's not going to be we watch the whole Evangelion and release, like, an equally two-hour episode, I guess, yeah. going over it. So those will be broken up into two parts coming up the next two weeks. So with that, if you would like to follow the podcast, make sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, leave comments, pass it on to your friends. Whatever is always the best way to do that. You can find us on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube going up each Wednesday. You can also send us an email at what is my podcast about at email uh, at gmail <laughs> at me email.com at gmail.com. You can send any comments, questions, or anything else there you're interested in. Also follow us on Instagram. That's probably one of our most lively interact with us places. We upload facts about the show as well as little tidbits, information as we go along, so it's right to the point that we're at in the podcast. So you can follow along without any spoilers. On top of that, we also have weekly polls. Uh, currently, we're going through all the angels to determine which one is the favorite. Uh, but we did take a brief break for this one to determine if the people listening like the end of episode 26 specifically. So, That's true. That's an important question to ask because that was kind of a polarizing episode. Yeah, we'll probably do that at the end of all of the major plot areas. So, yeah. But the main part is the angel polls. Yeah. And then, of course, for the last one, as I already said, you already made a prediction which we're going to not penalize you on for this one specifically as a recap. You didn't know it was a recap going in. So... You can keep it or change it, but Peter, what do you think is going to happen next time on Neon Genesis Evangelion? I'm fucking doubling down. We're having a fucking everyone die. Well, not everyone dies. The Human Instrumentality Project continues. As a result, humanity doesn't exist in the way it traditionally does. Uh, and then 
something happens, presumably Shinji, and then uh, it gets reversed and everyone wakes up on a beach just hanging out together. I don't know, they play some volleyball. Make sure to tune in next time and there'll be plenty of fan service.